So we, we, yeah, we're going in backwards order. <coughs> what I'll say a little bit about, I mean, this, this, this session is, is practicalities. I'd perhaps pose it challenges or even difficulties for the regulator uh, of applying data protection uh, standards and rules to, to freedom of expression. So what I'll do, I'll say a little bit about the, the challenges for us of, of deciding when and how the law applies. What are things like journalism, literature and the arts and what is processing simply by, by individuals. A little bit about the complexity of the UK law in particular and in the way it addresses freedom of expression and, and the difficulties that poses. And then just a word or two uh, about the political nature uh, of regulating the media uh, uh, and the implications that that has for us. I mean, UK law uh, has exemptions uh, in line with Article 9 of the, the, the directive, which we heard about earlier, uh, for journalistic purposes, all the purposes of artistic or literary expression. So there are no specific exemptions in general for freedom of expression within the UK Data Protection Act. They're just for this area which you might, I suppose, broadly call the, the media, uh, uh, journalism, artistic and literary expression. And th those are not defined. Uh, journalism uh, uh, was deliberately not defined by the government, and I'll, I'll come back to this. But at the time the government applied the, the, the EU directive in the UK, to this area, there was a deliberate attempt to make the exemptions for the media uh, as wide as possible. So they didn't define journalism, they didn't define literary and artistic expression, the idea being that that was then open to wide interpretation and the exemptions were, were widely available. But there has been some uh, uh, definition done in the UK largely through our information tribunal, and one of the judges from the, the tribunal is here today, uh, in the context of freedom of information. Uh, because, as you know, in the UK, there is a right of access to information, general information, not just personal information, held by public authorities. And in particular, the BBC is a public authority, uh, but there is an exemption which says where the public authority holds information for the purposes of journalism, you don't have a right. So if you like, as a UK citizen, you have a right of access to information the BBC holds about its management and its funding and its functions as a public body, but not about its journalistic activities, where it's more on a par you know, with, 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 with any form of, of news media. And the tribunal has said, essentially, journalism involves one of three things, the gathering and writing of news, uh, the editorial activities surrounding that, and the management and enhancements of journalistic standards. So they have gone very much towards uh, it is gathering and writing down news, a news element in, in, in journalism, and what they call, call functional journalism, which of course works quite easily in, in when you talk about traditional media. But when you come to uh, blogs, well, what is gathering and writing of news, and how far does that extend? I mean, one of your colleagues, former colleagues, Rosemary, Chris Pounder, and some of you who follow these things, does Hawk Talk, which is a, you know, a data protection blog. Um, well, I'd have thought that probably counts, because it is, there's a lot of personal opinion and personal views, but there are also you know, professional views in it, and it does also bring together some news and developments. But when you actually, your blog is more about you know, your personal life, 
Uh, if I blogged about the people I met today and, uh, and you know, what we, we talked about and so on, I'm not sure that's into gathering and writing of news. Uh, so, but you know, where are these where are these lines? That's the the, 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 the real difficulty here. And at the other end of the scale, from what you might call sort of professional journalism, you've got processing by an actual person, an ordinary individual, in the course of their purely domestic or household activities. So how far does purely domestic processing uh, apply? And I have to say, you know, I think there are different views amongst the data protection authorities in Europe on just how wide that exemption is. You know, if, if David, you produced it, you could produce one of your charts uh, on the application of that exemption. I mean, we in the UK apply that exemption quite widely. Uh, I think, you know, for, for, for two reasons. One is we do look to what we think the intention of the data protection law is. And it's primarily about you know, protecting individuals from activities of the state or from businesses that are holding personal information. It's not really about rela regulating the relationships between individuals in their personal lives. So I would argue to you, you know, if I say something about my neighbour or members of my family or, or, or whatever, however sort of derogatory that is, and whether I post it on Facebook or the internet or on a blog, that's really just between me and them. And that's not, there may be other tools, defamation and so on to, to use, but that's not really territory for, 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 for data protection. And I also say to you, we, we are driven to take quite a wide view because of the very practicalities of trying to regulate something like that. We have a complaint that what one individual has said about another uh, isn't accurate. Well, how do you determine you know, what the actual facts and uh, 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 what actually happened there? Uh, so, you know, Bill Dutton uh, 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 mentioned uh, this morning you know, the number of uploads there are to YouTube and the number of uploads to Facebook. And I say yes. But 99% you know, of those probably fall within this personal domestic exemption and are not the scope of the data protection law. And I then say, that, but maybe that 1% are. Uh, and it's not quite the scale of the sort of problem uh, 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 that's been suggested. But we have a considerable amount of middle ground between you know, the personal exemption at one end and the area where there are exemptions for um, you know, professional journalism and the like, where the data protection law applies, but there are no special exemptions available. And you know, one example uh, uh, that we had recently was a, a website called Solicitors from Hell, which actually came to, 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 to the courts. We had a number of ones like this. I mean, the idea is Solicitors from Hell, and apologies if, if any of you are featured on this, this, this website, but it's, it's someone who clearly was not, not over-impressed by the legal profession, I think is how I would put it, who set up this website on which you know, anybody who wanted to slag off uh, 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 lawyers that they thought they'd had problems with could put up their comments, and this would be a warning to sort of other, other people. Uh, now, we took the view... Uh, quite rightly, I think, that the individuals who post the comments onto the Solicitors for Hell website are just individuals. Uh, they are acting in their personal domestic capacity. This is you know, private problems that they've had with solicitors who, who, who they've contracted with. I think where we actually went a bit wrong in our analysis, we did view the Solicitors for Hell website almost just as a sort of notice board 
uh, you know, an online notice board on which individuals were posting the, these messages. And so we said you know, the, the, the Solicitors from Hell website doesn't exercise control, is not a data controller, and so is not caught, caught by the law. Uh, and when this case came, came to court, uh, and quite rightly, the court looked in more detail at what the, the operators of the, the site did, the, the notice board. And it was a lot more than just the notice board. They are actually uh, charging people to put information there and charging solicitors to have information taken down. And there was a certain amount of, uh, I won't say any more, sort of funny business going on about you know, what went on uh, 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 and what was taken off. And, 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 and the intermediary there was a clear data controller. But this establishing who is a controller, who isn't in, in, in this whole environment is extremely difficult. Um, and that leads to you know, the, the area we were talking about this morning, the applications to application to search engines. And how far are you know, search engines, Google, a data controller, and that case is before the, 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 the European Court of Justice. You know, we're waiting to see what the, the outcome is. And we have cases of our, our, our own. It's no secret uh, that you know, we have a case referred to us to do with Max Mosley and, and information about him uh, uh, and the suppression of that. And essentially, the approach we're taking is you know, we'll see what the, 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 the ECJ has to, to say, but what the ECJ has to say could open you know, a floodgate to, 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 to a whole range of work. So we do have, you know, what we have because of the development of, uh, of the internet is a real blurring between this personal use, what falls in the middle, what is uh, 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 you know, traditional journalism, which is subject to, 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 to specific exemption, uh, a lack of precision in, in the law. And I think you know, what we would look for, what we'd like to see is clarity in the law, uh, and we looked at you know, the, the, the regulation, we can talk about the regulation, but the regulation doesn't say one way or the other whether search engines are data controllers uh, and whether they are caught in, 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 in the future. Uh, and I would just argue, you know, it would be helpful to us to have that clarity if we just adopt a provision which says data controllers are subject to uh, 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 the right to be forgotten. Well, where does that leave search engines? And let's, if we want search engines caught, let's say search engines are caught if, in the law. If they're not, let's say they're not. But let's not, don't just leave it sort of in, in, in abeyance. Just on the, the, the complexity of the law, because the law for us to apply in the UK here is extremely difficult. Um, there are exemptions. Uh, as I've talked about, but they are there only if they're necessarily to reconcile the right to privacy with the rules governing uh, uh, freedom of information. But the UK approach uh, was to take maximum possible advantage of the exemptions available in the uh, European Union Directive. So I'm a little bit surprised, David, to see the UK sort of in the middle of your charts because if they tried to take maximum possible advantage, I'd expect to see them at one end. Perhaps that means you know, everybody who's above the UK has failed to implement the directive properly. Uh, 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 I don't know. <laughs> but it might be worth just, just, just to illustrate the UK's approach, just quoting from the evidence that the Justice Minister, uh, Kevin Clark, gave to the Leveson Inquiry just a day or two ago. Uh, when he said, and he was talking about our office, the Information Commissioner, the legislative powers he has at the moment 
greatly confined his ability to take on very much responsibility towards the press. The legislation is tortuously drafted to try to minimise the prospect of his taking any very great role vis-à-vis -vis the media. And then when he went on and was, was asked some further questions, he went on. I was not involved in the drafting of the legislation. I took no depart, part in debates at the time. It does look to me as though it was tortuously drafted to make sure the press would not be excessively troubled by the creation of the new office, which was our, our office. So the whole intention was to leave the media alone as far as possible. And one way that, that was achieved was to make the legislation, I have to say, almost impenetrable. I know it's handled very well in your book, Rosemary, but uh, I suspect you struggled a bit with that chapter. Uh, you know, we have an exemption for, for journalism, literature and the arts, uh, where processing is undertaken with a view to publication by any person of any journalistic material. Uh, the data controller must reasonably believe that having regard in particular, and it talks about the special interest, uh, special importance of, uh, of public interest in freedom of expression, publication will be in the public interest, and the data controller must reasonably believe that in all the circumstances it will be incompatible with the purposes, uh, the special purposes journalism would like for him to comply with the, the provisions of data protection law. So, I don't know. In, in that little sort of bundle, there are all sorts of challenges for us. What is with a view to publication? Well, you might reasonably think that's up until the point something's published and it's not, but I'm sure others will, will mention the uh, a Court of Appeal judgment in the Naomi Campbell case where Lord Phillips said, well, if, even after it's been published, it's still being held with a view to publication. Uh, and the media say to us, well, we always, everything in our archives and our records, it's all there on the basis that we might someday, one day, publish it in the future, even if we've already published it once. So, quite difficult to interpret. It's down to the reasonable belief of the media that uh, publication is in the public interest. And it's surprising how sometimes journalists can have a very wide reasonable belief or their view of what is reasonable is not always quite the same of what is ours. And that's not the test. The test is, is it in their reasonable belief? Is it in, in, in you know, the ground, grounds of uh, 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 probability? Uh, and when we consider that, we have, regard, we have to have regard to codes of practice that are relevant to, to publication. Things like the Press Complaints Commission Code, the Ofcom Code, BBC Producers Guidelines. But all those, those codes and guidance which we refer to are all very much in the traditional media. You know, there's no sort of PCC code that's equivalent that captures bloggers who may ben benefit from this, 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 this exemption. Uh, and what is incompatible? What is incompatible uh, with the purposes of, of journalism? Uh, how far do you compromise accuracy in the need to get a story out quickly? Uh, say some of the discussions we've had with media organisations, views of what accuracy is in the sort of context of a news story are not the same as our views of accuracy. So sort of approximately, roughly right, so long as we can get it out quickly, often it seems to be the, 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 the approach. So that's the exemption. If the exemption doesn't apply, we can use our enforcement powers. And we have a power to issue enforcement notices to require organisations to change practice. But if we're in this area, before we can issue an enforcement notice, we first have to make a determination 
under the section of the Act, section 45, either that the data are not processed for these special purposes or they're not processed with a view to future publication. And we make that determination and that can be challenged in the tribunal. Uh, and if that challenge isn't upheld, so our determination stands, we then have to go to court to get leave to serve an enforcement notice. Uh, and the court has to be satisfied as a matter, not just of public interest, but of substantial public interest involved. Uh, so I have to say, you know, the legislation is drafted to tie our hands completely behind our backs. Uh, uh, and that makes life very difficult for us. It would be far better in many ways to say you know, journalism, literacy, the arts are exempt from data protection requirements. At least everyone would know where they were, rather than pretending that there's some sort of you know, legal rights which are never really capable uh, 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 of being exercised in practice. Certainly not if you're trying to exercise them against the media where they have you know, substantial resources behind them. To, to, to fight legal battles. That just brings me on to the, just the last area to, 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 to touch on, uh, which is the politic, politics of this. I mean, those of you from the UK will, you know, will, will know about our Leveson inquiry. I'm sure others will, will have heard of it. Uh, and part of the background to that is action we took uh, uh, years ago about journalists obtaining, using private investigators essentially to obtain information by deception in, 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 in breach of the law. But as a result of that, our exposing that activity and producing two report, reports to Parliament back in 2006 calling for prison sentences to be available for these criminal offences. And these criminal offences obtaining information you know, unlawfully by deception, by bribery, were not primarily about journalists, they were about all sorts of people, debt tracers, private investigators, uh, I'd say you know, sometimes the legal profession when they're in marital disputes or, or, or financial disputes, getting information by deception, arguing for uh, prison sentences. And the government agreeing with this, going out to a public consultation which supported the idea of prison sentences, writing it into the face of the law and then it being never being implemented because of sort of pressure uh, 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 and concern from the effect it would, would have on the media. Uh, a further consultation again uh, 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 conducted when the government got you know, a bit more courage uh, uh, again uh, and we still haven't had a response to that consultation even though that was two, two years or more ago. Uh, 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 and the Leveson inquiry you know, it does expose the, the influence that the media have on government in this area. The reason we haven't got prison sentences available for this, this, this data protection crime, which isn't particularly about journalism, it is much wider, is because of the influence of the media uh, 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 and the effect that supposedly it would have on, on, on journalism. But if we come to be involved in mainstream cases affecting the press and the media. These, the law is hugely complex, which I've talked about. It takes enormous amount of time. You've seen from the payouts the media have, have made in, in a lot of the, the, the uh, uh, stuff that's the subject of the Leveson inquiry. Costs are not an obstacle uh, uh, to them. Uh, they are hugely powerful in the ability to damage the reputation of us and our office and the legislation we implement. And I'm not, what I'm not trying to do is say, you know, we don't want to regulate the media because we don't like dealing with powerful people. 
uh, we're more than happy to, to regulate and deal with powerful businesses, I suppose, who play fairly by the rules. But what I really do fear, and I think you do see some of this in you know, the, the evidence which has come out with Leveson, if we take an action against the media, the next thing we will have is headlines in that paper, you know, a day later, three days later, slagging us off, and not just over that, but over all sorts of things. And we will become uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the problem. And more importantly, the legislation, the data protection law, will become a problem. And it's not that it, it's not sort of personally our reputation is important. It's that we can't do our job properly if the public don't have trust and confidence in us as a data protection regulator and in, in, in the law we offer. So you know, I fear too much of a role in regulating the media for us. Uh, is a distraction from our true data protection work. That's not to say we don't have a, a role in this middle ground, this middle area. There's the area which is exempt for, for individuals. There's the, 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 the media area. The middle ground, what we need is clear definition, uh, clear scope of the law, and clear powers. As I say, search engines, are they in or are they they not in? How do we deal with the problem which was raised earlier of spent convictions, which you're absolutely right. You know, it's public policy that after time, if you've got a minor offence, that is spent and doesn't affect your employment anymore. Uh, I really don't have an easy answer, uh, but there is a problem there we need to address. One of the answers we're given, because that's employment, is, well, the information, you know, spent convictions are now all available on the internet searches. It's up to employers not to use them, and we as a, you know, the regulator should stop employers using them to make decisions. And that's valid up to a point. But how do you know what's an employer's used? And how do you know how it's influenced their decision on whether to take someone on if it, 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 it's not properly documented? So don't pretend it's easy. Uh, I do say that there are lots of problems. I do agree with you, David. You know, we need legal certainty. Uh, but we're in a moving field. And technology changes all the time. So legal certainty here isn't legal certainty in a year's time. And I just worry about the talk about search engines. And I, 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 I've been part of it, about regulating search engines. Our search engine is just part of the technology at the moment. And will things change? And you know, if we introduce that, become out of date. Uh, and we do need solutions. Uh, but I don't think you should look to data protection law to provide all those solutions. Just because there are problems in this area, it doesn't mean it's data protection law that should necessarily provide those solutions. Perhaps we can provide some of them there.